0: Hi, it's Brett Cowell, and this is the Total Life Complete Podcast. Today, I'm here with Teresa Fan from Holy Kombucha. Welcome, Teresa.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Great. And today, hopefully, we'll talk about beverages, uh, community, and maybe a little bit about entrepreneurship. Uh, the first question I ask all the guests is, how do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask what you do?
1: I say that I'm an owner of a company, <laughs> owner of our Holy Kombucha company, uh, and I tell them um, that, I, I mean... I do wear many hats, but I, I have more recently carved out um, some departments that are more dedicated to me. But before, uh, you know, I was just a co-founder. <laughs> That's the easiest way for me to describe what I am because usually co-founder really means you're really figuring everything out. Do
0: whatever is required. Whatever <laughs> is
1: required, yeah.
0: Now, when, yeah. You talk, when you say where you work, Holly Kimbucha, do people say – What's that? Or do, how many people know what that is? And, and
1: yeah, there's quite a bit of people out there that still don't know what holy kombucha is or kombucha is at all. They say kombucha, kombuchi. They pronounce it all sorts of different ways. So um, there's still a whole lot of education for sure to be done on the market. But people who are pretty well plugged into social media uh, or not social media, yeah, social media as well as you know they care for their health, um, they're going to at least hear about it once from the front or if they go to Whole Foods they'll see it so
0: great so I want to come back to to building a community around the product but please explain for the listeners what is kombucha and why is it so important and so popular at the moment
1: yeah so kombucha for me when I first found out about it I opened the bottle and it was pretty disgusting at first Um, but Leo he told me who is the also the founder of Holy Kombucha he I said you just got to give it a try. I know it smells horrible. We opened it up in the car. I mean, I literally rolled down the window, but um, I fell in love with it. You know, I'm. You know, you have that first sip. It's a little strange at first because it's a semi-sweet, semi-tart, carbonated product, and there's nothing really like uh, like that out in the market. Um, of course there's sodas, there's beer, which beer is, you know, it has its flavor. And of course, soda is generally sweet. And so this, it was unique for sure. Um, But you know, for most people, they have to get acclimated to it when you have original kombucha. Anyhow, well, what kombucha is, is it's a fermented tea. Um, and it's made by, you know, having at least black tea you always have to have black tea Um, you sweeten it with cane sugar some people do honey but we make ours with cane sugar and you add in um, what people call a scoby but all it is is um, a culture mixed in with bacteria and yeast which is extremely beneficial for your gut Uh, and when you use that initial culture to um, basically convert the sugars that you initially had put in it converts it to all sorts of Really great stuff for your digestive system, including, you know, different enzymes, acids, additional bacteria that really helps your gut to do what it's supposed to do. Because when you eat, you know, things that we Americans eat, we love to eat burgers, we love to eat pizza, pasta, things that may not necessarily help with digestion, but rather the opposite. This really helps to clear you out, if you will. So and helps your body function, helps your body to get rid of stuff.
0: Okay, so so this this is kind of a, a health for one of a better phrase a health beverage uh, with with probiotic qualities Correct. and you know my my uh, introduction to your company and product was. Uh, it was up at a coffee shop on Lower Greenville, uh, Mudsmith, that a few people know. Yeah. And uh, uh, my millennial co- colleague at a place I used to work uh, introduced me to this and says, oh, try this. This is a fermented probiotic thing. And I'm like, no, I do not want to try
1: that.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to try that. But, um, be, but it was good. And, uh, you know, I've tried it from time to time. Yeah. Um, since then, now, now, this is something that you could make at home. You can, for sure. And some people do. I know I've I've read that there's enthusiasts that do it there, um, but uh, you know it seems like a very trial and error (laughs) process to do that. And uh... it can
1: be for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, kombucha's been around for as long as beer has been around, and you can make your own beer, Mm. or of course you can have uh, beer from different companies that are throughout the DFW area, international, other cities and states. Or of course you can make your own same here's the case with kombucha um and you know a lot of people when they make it they find man you know i, I love your holy kombucha how do you guys make it like that i try to make it at home and it's just different it's sour it's vinegary and it's not quite like you guys well you know we made holy kombucha because of my my leo's very first impression of kombucha which was very you know, it was very pungent. It's very hard to, you know, consume. And so we knew that it's like, okay, I mean, this is a great product. It does great things for you. We felt really good when we drank it. But, you know, you can make something that also tastes good too. So that's our, you know, sort of secret sauce per se, um, that we make our product friendly and approachable, not only in its taste, uh, but also in the branding as well. I mean, and and as well as our um, do better for you Social mission. Okay, no, yeah. great, and we'll definitely come back yeah. to that later on. Yeah. So,
0: so let's go back now, and you, you, to to the point of quality. I mean, you've been making it for a number of years. The company's been around now for what, I mean, six, five, six, or six years. Six, yeah. five or six years. So, can we go back to to how it started? What, why Kombucha and and where did the company start? How,
1: yeah. So at that time, back in 2010, 11 or so, we were actually doing a coffee product that we brought in from Colombia. It was extremely fun. We were going to get to a shark tank with that product. However, the manufacturer went out of business. Um, they had to close their doors because they sent a huge shipment to Japan and they couldn't hold it because the tsunami hit. They couldn't hold the cash flow because the tsunami hit. And so, unfortunately, we had to let Shark Tank know, hey, unfortunately, we can't be on the show because there is no more. Oh, you literally were going to be on Shark Tank. We were literally going (laughs) to be on Shark Tank, and we had to um, retract it. Um, You know, there were some quirks about that product at that time. It was it was a really unique product. We had some different marketing ideas for it, but you know, because we're just a distributor, uh, part shareholder, um, minority, obviously. We couldn't, of course, make some changes that we would have loved to see um, in the product because, you know, we're here in America and the marketing of the product needs to be a little different to kind of gear it towards, you know, us Americans. Um, and so during that meanwhile, we just, we did fall madly in love with kombucha. We mm. took it to the farmer's market with us alongside with taking that coffee product. And the rest is history. We're like, well, this product really, okay, well, well, I have to outline the product did not get a huge following at first the the first hour at the farmer's market but after that first hour people were walking around with that you know swing top glass um refill uh bottle and they tried it they spit it out at first they walked around about an hour and they're like gosh this is very unique i don't know what it is i I spit out first because it was completely shocker but i'm in love with it and they just kept coming again and again week after week at the farmers market of course that's that's where we kind of did a lot of trial and error we um, formulated to of course be friendly and approachable in its taste um, um, but yeah so, so how we got started was um, you know out of the farmers market I mean we just in, kind Dallas? Of, in Dallas yep it, it was actually at the green spot local organic gas station that I believe they sold to the farmers market out there and we would just go week after week after week did tons of trials um, had fun with it. Um, tried different equipment, so whatnot not to see what worked, what didn't work. No, that's yeah. great.
0: I, I know that place very well since uh, I, I ride my bike around White Rock Lake and stop off there for a coffee or or, uh, or something quite regularly. Um, okay, so so how did you? Uh, was the company started in Fort Worth? Is that correct, or was it? That's in, correct. I, okay, so yeah, you were trialing it here and, and refining the product here, but you, you were based out there. Or? Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Yes, we were actually. Um, in a commercial kitchen out in Fort Worth uh, called Elixir Kitchen Space. Um, There's a lot of baked goods made out there, anything you can think of, really, um, foods and beef jerky, uh, food trucks. So we kind of started out there, had you know, our gallons and gallons of kombucha there just literally in the way of other people's space, but you know we grew. So eventually, of course, that's when we left um, that small um, commercial kitchen and went to our own space, yeah.
0: And was that still out at Fort Worth or were you in Dallas? No,
1: downstairs? now um, after that point, we did go to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about that later on. Sure. So, you know, the, the one of the burning questions is always, you know, how did you and Leo meet, <laughs> you know, as, co, as co-founders? You worked on a coffee venture together. and
1: Yeah, we were doing the coffee venture together, but we're also together as a couple yeah. too. But um, okay. so, so, you know, of course, Leo's always uh the very interesting character bringing home new ideas and new adventures that we should look into and so this is one of the things where it's like okay yeah we we could we could really try this one out I mean he introduced me to kombucha first and I'm like okay this is really strange but you know I fell in love with it as well myself because I'm kind of a uh, a science nerd if you will (laughs) and so it did intrigue me and and I continued to um get more involved as well yeah
0: okay so that was starting the business and and so it was it was the first milestone kind of getting some demand through this um farmers markets and then being able to say okay we're, we're going to make a move to a proper facility right, right so, to to buy it uh, exactly to, to scale business up right. okay
1: yeah, we, we were actually taking up too much of the square footage in that place, and uh, the owner was kind of a little frustrated because we kind of spilled kombucha all over the floor, right, right. which went into her office, and we just took up like all the square footage. I was like, okay, I think this is probably a business now, so we could probably like a own space besides that the owner was kind of like yeah you're really making a big mess here this whole place smells sour (laughs) no new um clients are coming in because it kind of smelled like vinegar (laughs) and you know we couldn't really contain not any one more uh container there so it's like yeah i think it's i think it's time i think we're ready yeah so
0: and, and what about the the customers and and the consumers of the product were they ready uh, you'd had some direct contact with the people that like the product in the, in the farmer's market. What about taking that to, to retail stores? Did they know what you were talking about with this or was there, was there a pent-up demand for that? Or
1: Yeah, so for a while we did kegs only like at um, restaurants like uh, Buzz Brew's Kitchen, um, but also of course the Green Spot Organic Gas Station out on Buckner. And people were like, hey, I love the whole refill growler, refill glass container idea, but I really want to take it to work. I mean, can you make it more convenient? Um, So it was definitely built up consumer demand. And um, we went to our very first retailer, Central Market, which I had a previous relationship with uh, from the coffee product. So they found our product really interesting. The category for them was a pretty hot category. And uh, our product went in and... It sold, even though we made it in a uh, barbecue sauce glass. (laughs) (laughs) It was very interesting. You know, I don't think people really cared that much that it was in a very interesting glass, if you will. Uh, But but they purchased it, of course. And because they loved what we made. Yeah
0: producers uh, obsess over the glass bottle as if it's the most important thing and, right. and, and some would <laughs> say that it is. Uh, so it's nice to, to hear that people yeah. like the product so much that they didn't yeah. really care what the glass is. Yeah, isn't.
1: thankfully, because we didn't really have an option as a small supplier, a small manufacturer, the glass company aren't going to make a custom glass for you. So you just take what you can get. And at the time for us was barbecue sauce and glass. <laughs> That's a great, a great story. And I,
0: I was also interested... Uh, you know, the kind of influence of the craft brewing scene. I'm thinking in the back of my mind as I'm hearing this, you know, about kegs and growlers straight away, that you went there first and then went to to individual bottles rather than the other way around.
1: The kegs was do- definitely a lot easier to to get product out to the market, especially if we were at the farmer's market because, you know, filling every single bottle, it's, it's laborious and it, co- it did cost a lot. Um, and so, KEGS was a great way for us to roll out without it being a huge financial impact for us because, you know, it was just mom and pop business kind of deal. And, you know, in regards to ready to drink bottles, you had to buy every single glass for consumers to drink, you know, 16 ounces. So that's why we started out on, on the Growlers and keg filled program because it, it was a lot more financially economical for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I,
0: I see the the growlers are appearing at retail outlets still at the mm-hmm. at the moment around Dallas, which is pretty cool. And yeah. you've been going, um, you've been going now for. Um, uh, five or six years or, or so, as you've said. And, you know, does the company still feel like a startup or, or do you actually feel like you're uh, you're an established business now? Have you noticed a change in how that feels? And
1: A little bit more, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I still wear several hats, not all of the hats anymore between me and Leo, but we definitely have um, some team members to help us out with, um, you know, doing some accounting work or calling the customers. But Leo and I, we still do definitely wear multiple hats. Um, You know, we don't have that um, big investment from Coca-Cola or whatever. So uh, we're still definitely scrappy and uh, we still wear many hats. And, you know, to be frank, we actually love that we get to dabble in a bit of each department, if you will, uh, of a company, because that's really made us who we are as individuals. I mean, we just become a lot more experienced in accounting, in manufacturing, in distribution, in marketing, in sales. So it's been really valuable. But, of course, we're now um, a little bit more ready to hand off uh, more hats to um, different people that we are starting to count on. Yeah.
0: No, I, know, I know it's um, a big uh, thing that I've sort of t- talked about in my blog and elsewhere about um, you know, folks in a corporate job, and they're thinking about a startup. And and you know, I couldn't do that because I don't know about X, Y, and, and Z. And then, obviously, when you do start a startup, you just have to do everything, and you realize that you don't have to do a PhD and everything to right. get the job done. You just have to muck in and learn as you go.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you know, when when you're when you operate your own company, you know, people that worked in typical corporate America you have your job and you do that job and you really only do it from like nine to five or what have you, or project basis. And and that's about it. But when you own your own company, you're sustaining yourself. So you're going to make it work. So if you don't know something, you're going to figure it out. Because if you don't figure it out, then that job just doesn't get done. So research, research, research (laughs) is how we've, taught ourselves to get the job done because if you don't know something, you learn how to do it and you make it work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know been our approach. So um, it's been really great because I've learned so much throughout the past, you know, five, six years. If I were to walk out of Holy Kombucha, I think I could get a really nice salary at any company I want to. But of course I really enjoy um, starting up our own company and learning so much about the process so that you can become valuable for any quote-unquote department of your company. and I, I love that.
0: Earlier on you said that you uh, were a bit of a science geek. Yeah. And uh, what did you envisage your future might be after after graduating? Did you see yourself doing this or what, what were you thinking about doing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've always wanted to help people some way. Um, my path has been to become a doctor and um, you know, this the coffee thing, first of all, took me by storm um, and the kombucha even more so. And I really, really love that during my path of, you know, studying to become a doctor, kombucha technically found me. I am helping people and it's a really great way. I mean, I I, I appreciate doctors and what they do and they're amazing. But I love that what we do is we're helping people. Um, live a healthier lifestyle so that they don't have to make so many doctor visits so they can live a much better lifestyle i love that that's just so cool for me yeah
0: that's really nice that you say kombucha found you because i I think a lot of folks might start off with a very dogged idea about where they're going to go based on oh you know i I like this so therefore i'm going to do this job and this job only and then really they realize there's a world of possibilities that might be more satisfying or more more possible,
1: okay. Very, yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's talk about, a bit more about beverages. Uh, and where, where do you actually sell the product? Is it is it just in DFW area or is it around Texas or nationally or what's happening?
1: Yeah, so we are in the southwest region, but we're also in different parts of the country too, just because um, there is a demand pull for holy kombucha in particular um, up in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Chicago, Florida, um so our focus has been to really be in Texas. Um at first to really do great in Texas before we ever decide to go out. But you know, as people, you know, fall in love with kombucha when they come and visit Texas, you know, they bring with them such a demand and tell their friends. Uh I think consumers are looking for quality kombucha. When they first may, um, you know, have that first sip of kombucha and they try it, you know, different people have different palates, but um, you know, When people try holy kombucha, all their preconceived notions of kombucha before kind of goes out the window, and they are loyal holy kombucha fans moving forward. Yeah, of course, I think, I'm sure the consumers are very interested in trying all sorts of different brands, but they really do fall in love with holy kombucha. Is it important for it to be a local brand? Um, Well, I believe that kombucha consumers, they are conscious of you know, who makes their food product, who makes this, who makes that, that they consume. Um, So they do care about it. But of course, if they find like an amazing product like holy (laughs) kombucha, I think they're willing to kind of waive that whole local, um, you know, concept. But uh, I think, though, that America supports that businesses are... um, uh, put together by families and whatnot, and they're supporting not a large corporation, but that they're supporting families and supporting jobs. I think that's what consumers value.
0: There's this uh, messaging or, you know, uh, characteristics of the product to say, look, this is a healthy probiotic drink, and uh, people are mixing alcohol with it now. Is it, is it is being healthy and centered and getting a buzz on a mutually exclusive, or should those be combined?
1: <laughs> you know, people love kombucha now when when they have when they make the first when they try the first sip um, they love our kombucha and people are mixing it with beer they are mixing it with different alcohols because you know why not as opposed to some high fructose corn syrup flavoring doubled in with vodka you know kombucha helps with digestion so i mean we don't preach this, but I've had consumers say, hey, I had kombucha uh, while I was out with my friend. We're out drinking, and it's really helped with my hangover. So, bartenders may decide to, you know, mix it on purpose because it tastes different, or they may be mixing it because they are finding that the consumers um, are receiving a health benefit out of it. It's up, It's up to, you know, all the bartenders, you know, what they want to do with it, but we do see people... <laughs> have, uh, better for you cocktails, if you will. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. a nice
0: idea. And yeah. uh, I think there'd be a lot of people that would, uh, would do anything to avoid the hangovers and to yes. think that they can offset the, yes. the drinking. You know, the, there's kombucha and, and um, apple cider vinegar now products coming out and other things. Is it going to be a warring factions of people that are loyal to each or do people just going to consume all of these products because they, they see different benefits?
1: Yeah, um, so that's a good question. The apple cider vinegar beverage is still in the growth mode. It's mm-hmm. still very infant. In, in its infancy stage. Um, apple cider vinegar has been around for a long time. People do shots with it. It is kind of tough to swallow when you're doing shots in the morning. So it is easier to consume that, you know, when you make a beverage out of it where you mix it with water or whatever, you know, you dream up to do. Um, but I would say it's it's a cousin to kombucha. Um, it's, a, it's apple cider vinegar is really great. I mean, I don't, I think that both of those categories can coexist side by side. They're just different. They're just a little bit different in its taste profile, too.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of people I've read it have compared, you know, it's like saying it's apple, literally apples and oranges where you're going to say, well, look, I'm going to drink apple juice and I'm never going to drink orange juice anymore. Or, you know, you have your preferences. And, right, yeah. And, so and so your moods today I may have stuff. apple
1: cider vinegar, tomorrow I might have kombucha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: how do people find out about your product? You know, I, yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of billboards on the on the major freeways around town or TV advertising.
1: No, we definitely don't want to do any billboards at least yet because uh, there's still a lot of education still to be done. A lot of the kombucha consumers they get turned on because their friends talk about it. Kombucha is, is first of all the word itself is like, what? Like, what are you saying? You know, when people hear the word kombucha. So it's really unique, but they see a lot of buzz around it, so they'll ask their friends or their friends may tell them about it, and they' heard about it once, they're freaked out about it after they Google what a Scoby is. But you know they'll try it once and and that's how we catch um, new consumers because their friends tell them about it. But we also you know place our product in strategic locations that we know where people go and have conversations like at a restaurant or a coffee shop. Um, you know, local community locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't want to put it in like typical chain franchises because uh, that might be fine and all, but we love to be in other local businesses too. Local businesses supporting local businesses and local people supporting local businesses. So I I think that's where a huge buzz has been around Holy Kombucha, yeah.
0: Yeah, just as an example, I know going to your website is not, there's not pages of videos and testimonials and stuff like that. It just tells you where to buy it. It's like, well, if you're coming to a website, then you must already be interested, so there you go. (laughs) Right. I I thought that was really, really interesting because, um, you know, a lot of, Mainstream corporate beverage brands—it's completely the opposite. Every yeah. year at the airport, and it's—it's it's in your face. You right. know, drink this because of this reason,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. We love that people seek out our product. I think you know there is room for kombucha to be in airports and conveniences and all that good stuff as there's more com, you know consumer education. But we don't want a product to be in a shelf where it's going to spoil. I mean, kombucha—we still hand make our kombucha, so. We want to ensure that uh, the product is placed in locations where people really do want to have it, not just everywhere.
0: (laughs) One of the things I I thought was quite interesting is the Instagram culture around brands as well. And do you think specifically for um, health food Pro- products people lean more and, and engage more in, in, in things like Instagram rather than other types of social media
1: yeah so I think there's a lot more conversations about our product on Instagram I think that social media outlet is just a lot more popular with specifically our demographic that mm. drink our kombucha um, it's a lot more easier to, to conversate about whatever topic you want to talk about because of the hashtags honestly um, and so Brands do develop a lot more, um, you know, traction on Instagram instead mm-hmm. of Facebook. Because Facebook, if you do want to get any um, audience at all, you do have to pay for every view now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, Facebook is there, of course, but we definitely love to um, put our attention on Instagram for sure. Yeah.
0: Who are the main consumers of the, the product?
1: Our. Um, demographic is kind of wide however of course the core is our 25 to around 45 age group people that are um, curious about other things that are out there conscious about their health not necessarily set in their ways people who are health conscious socially conscious Mostly women, but a lot of men as well. Mm. I would call it a 55-45 split. Oh wow! Um, okay. I wouldn't. Th- I don't think it's like seventy. Yeah. You know, thirty women to men, but I, I would think it's fifty-five to forty-five because, you know, um, the women they, mm. you know, tell their husband, their boyfriends about it, and you know, they become madly in love with it too after the fact, for sure. That's that's, um, the experience that I get when I've done demos myself or when I go to events or whenever I hear about how someone fell in love with kombucha is because their wife or their girlfriend or their sister or their mother told them about it. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh,
0: I I flick through your Instagram pages I like to do for people I interview and uh, there's lots of folks there taking photos, drinking their product. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think think that's really nice when, uh, you know, it seems like People get more enjoyment out of it if they've taken a photo. They they really want to share their experience and that kind of lifestyle that they're experiencing they with kombucha as part of that, or your yeah. products as part of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's because kombucha, like people really do feel an in, an inherent benefit from drinking kombucha. Um, it tastes different. It's just different, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this, this I'm drinking this product that I've never had before, and they really want to tell their friend about it. You know, it's like they're discovering this new way of being you know uh, and when you integrate it with your lifestyle when you're really busy it really does help for some people um, to go you know <laughs> to go and um and some people they do have issues with inflammation um, celiac right and and some people have found that kombucha in general could help with that because it helps again with their digestion
0: i went to the bank and the, the post office the other day and I didn't take a selfie of myself <laughs> <to> show, <laughs> uh, on social media. I don't, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, whereas a, a lot of uh, institutions would like us to believe that's all part of our life. I'm like, I, I don't want to have a relationship with you, bank, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> apart from just keep my money, don't lose any of it and right. give it to me when I need, <laughs> need to. That's all I want from you. I don't want to, you know, uh, a Christmas card or anything like right. that. Or
1: uh, Yeah, I've, I've, I've found that People are more uh, more conscious about companies that make a social impact because, you know, you ask yourself, why are you here on this earth? You know, is it to make a lot of money? That might be true, but a lot of people, you know, care more about, like, what am I doing for me? What am I doing for my kids? What am I doing here on this earth? How can I really create value that makes my life enriched you know and um, people really feel good when they're helping someone else yes you feel good when you get a raise of course in and of itself because you get to maybe buy a bigger house or afford this and that for your kids but at the end of the day you know how are you helping that person that needed to help? And it didn't really take that much time away or money away from you to make a ginormous impact on somebody else. And if you can, you know spend one, two, three, four, five minutes doing something to help someone else in the day, you know, make a coffee somebody, for somebody, help them um, with their health by teaching them a move in yoga where they had a back pain, and, and boy, you've really impacted their life because they had that just that throbbing pain, and you show them this one move in yoga, and that's it, their life has changed, right? Or you know, you make an impact by merely uh, helping a lady walk across the street, but you know, we we've chosen a different mission, but um, anyone and everyone can make an impact in, in someone else's life, and it makes you also feel great too but you also get to help someone else. So it's a mutually beneficial um, thing to to help someone. It doesn't take that much, you know, <laughs> to reach their goals.
0: Let's talk about the, the social mission then. Maybe say what it is and where it started. Is this something that's was there right from the start? And, and what's it evolved into today?
1: Yeah, so um, I've always wanted to help people in some way, as I've mentioned previously. Um, and for me and Leo... At first, we, we had a, a previous partner that shed some light on this issue of, of human trafficking. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's just something that is just in India, over the seas. And, we, we ben- we, of course, we benefited that nonprofit. And, you know, as we researched more and more, you know, our children, our girls and our boys, our women, our wives, our moms, they're getting trafficked. Uh, Here in the United States, because unfortunately, we American men have the demand for it, we can pay for it, and so, you know, uh, there's a supply, right? There's a a, supply. If there's a demand, there's a supply, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. for this kind of um, topic. And it's right here in the United States, and it's right here in um, Dallas, in Houston. It's along the southern belt of the United States because, unfortunately, there are people that are trafficked through uh, South America, Central America, and, and and to feed into where the demand is. Um, and it and this crime is really goes alongside with weapon and drugs. Mm-hmm. And and it's extremely hand-in-hand, right? So I was like, wow, I was really astonished by it, you know? I mean, it felt like initially that it was a a very far-fetched issue that's across the globe, but no, it's here at home. Our kids, you know? And uh, you hear a lot more news now that kids, you know, they're getting um, followed by men in IKEA, for example, and, it's really scary because you know you think you can just go shopping and what have you, and the kids get kidnapped and they never get found again, and you know the bodies aren't found, but you know where are they? Where could they mm-hmm. be? You know, so. Uh,
0: Dallas yeah. is a leader in a lot of things, and unfortunately, one of them is human trafficking. Um, I think it's one of the top cities in the in definitely in the top ten in the U.S. Um, yeah. How does the social mission work? So you su- you support human trafficking charities. Predominantly in, in Dallas. How, how do you support them? How does the model work and how do you pick who to support?
1: Yeah, so quarterly um, we allow our uh, social media fans to take a pick and uh, we do give a variety of options from local, national, and international nonprofits and um, we are a local company, so I think the trend has been a lot more local nonprofits. Um, so so, but yeah, um we let consumers take a pick, really, mm-hmm. and of course, they get to vote on it.
0: And do you donate is it time or part of the profits or how how, how does that work?
1: Yeah, so currently, the model is through profits. and so yeah. um, as our team grows, I would love to plug into. Um, all these different nonprofits and spend time there. Now, however, I do know that some of these nonprofits they operate a little differently where it's kind of top secret, because right, um, right. this kind of stuff works alongside with FBI, CIA kind of deal. Because I've 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 asked them, you know, hey, how can we get more involved? And it's like, well, it's really secret. You can't meet mm-hmm. the girls. You can't even go to the safe houses. And I'm like, okay, well that's cool. That's fine. I mean you guys are doing great work. Of course, continue that. But um so yeah a lot of these nonprofits like so after the girls are rescued um they don't really have resources to basically get plugged back into the community so they don't have to you know go back into this world that they know and so they're taught some of them are taught like um you know other trades or some of them are literally they just need a safe home so that they can recoup from the trauma and what have you so and you know so this isn't the only social mission we're also benefiting so um through our other line that we've created called Yerbucha, which is Yerbamate Kombucha, it's energizing, um, we partnered up with Rainforest Partnership. So, you know, we, we want to do good in, in all sorts of different ways. Of course, we can't help everybody, but, you know, we help where we can. And so Rainforest Partnership is another um, nonprofit that we also benefit um, as well, which, of course, they help with uh, anti-deforestation mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In, in South America. Yeah. It's really cool. You know, I mean, we need the forest. We need the the trees to continue to breathe and let out oxygen. We need it for diversity of of our vegetation. It's critical for our species. It's critical for climate. As you can see recently, (laughs) you know, Las Vegas, Death Valley, flights couldn't take off because it's 130 degrees. (laughs) Has that ever been seen before? Uh, No. Could we humans be making an impact? Probably yes. Yeah. So, we got to take care of our own home. This Earth is our home. We got to take care of it if <laughs> we want our kids to have a place to live. Otherwise, we're just going to scorch. Yeah, or this flood. Is- Who so, knows? <laughs> so, so
0: we're sitting here in the in in the Grove, a uh, social co-working space in downtown Dallas here. And- I heard a quote the other day from one of the co-founders of Twitter saying the future of marketing is in philanthropy, and you know I think there's been an explosive reaction to that one way and the other, and um, to say that you know maybe the basis of that was no one's going to listen to advertising and marketing anymore; they're going to listen to what you actually do and then react to that as opposed to what you say. Yeah. Um, what's your view on that in in terms of how social businesses should approach? that market and making an impact?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Um, You know, in the investment world as well, there's actually um, um, more funds that are being raised with social impact. They have to have a social impact um, cause in order for them to get funds. It's really interesting because consumer has a lot of pull nowadays. Consumers care that they are... Helping in some way, shape, or form, whether the money can be used for a good cause—you know, a company that be, is helping—you know, other topics, other social impact topics, or a company that is merely for making profits and and that alone—you know—I think consumers are very interested to see that their money is is helping something, someone else, right? right. I think it's big. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that. People care a lot more about where their money is going, so mm-hmm. that's why you see a lot of local businesses really thriving now. Whereas franchises chains, yeah, some of them are gonna really work because they got great concepts. But you know, I think a lot of these businesses. I mean, it's basically money going back to local community um, instead of sending jobs overseas or p- penny pinching for every single cent. At the sacrifice of employing your neighbor, so um, right, yeah, I think it's the, a vicious circle.
0: Yeah, the, the and it has been cyclical as well. I know there's certainly been a long push to, you know, globalization, which yeah. no doubt will, will, will continue. But um, there's also a big push to localization, and there was that horrible term "global" for around for a while. And hopefully, that's gone off in a corner and died somewhere. But yeah. I, I think people are just getting more educated, uh, both. Uh, business people and consumers in okay well if i spend this money here if i buy product a on the shelf that money's going to go back into my local community and we're going to have money for roads and schools and and finding crime and 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 helping the the poor and whatever it is and product b it's not going to do that it's going to go elsewhere and you know product b might be more flashy and whatever but when it comes down to it it's it's a for-profit business and, the, and mm-hmm. it, it sure. doesn't impact the community. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that, you know, food is, is where you see a lot more, you know, local concepts that um, have a huge play. I think um, clothing and shoes and all these other different, um, you know, industries, they're also seeing some impact too, but, um, you know, we want to know... What kind of food we are eating? Where is it coming from? (laughs) I think that's probably everyone's first and foremost concern before um, it's shoes and watches. You know, those are, of course, luxuries. So, you know, you got to take care of your necessities first. Let's
0: talk a little bit about uh, Dallas as a city. And, uh, you know, I always try and ask my guests, you know, how how to explain Dallas and, and what it's about from whatever point of view they want to, from a business, from a lifestyle point of view, to people that might be listening to this podcast around the world in different places. You know, what is Dallas? How do you explain it? What's it all about?
1: Yeah, so I think, I feel like Dallas definitely has a lot more local businesses, um, just like any other cities. I think Dallas is a really great place to start a business. Um, I think a lot of people have seen Dallas as being um, very, obviously, a very um, fashion-forward city, a lot of corporations. But guess what? I mean, a lot of really cool businesses are starting up from here, too. I mean... People are people. I think through social media, a lot of people um, are aware, become a lot more aware of local causes and local businesses. And and they're supporting a lot more no matter where you are, literally, in this world. Um, But it's a great hub to start out. Um, You know, there's a lot of banks here. (laughs) People are willing to, of course, spend their money here. So and they have money to spend. So I think um, it's a great city. I love it. I mean, a lot of people may have felt that Dallas is lacking culture. I think that's actually far from the case. Um, We make, we reap what we sow. And and I think um, us Dallas folks really care about you know what are we eating? Who is making our product? Just like any other city, like Austin and San Francisco, mm-hmm. they just happen to have a lot of tech companies up there. <laughs> um, but Dallas is becoming just like any other city that uh, really has an awesome, cool vibe. Dallas and Fort Worth, honestly, um, I think Fort Worth is um, much more smaller community, but but you know even more local there, honestly, than even Dallas. Um, so I, I love this city. I wouldn't move the world i mean i wouldn't move not to new york or san francisco even though i love the city so much yeah <laughs> i love it
0: and my last guest randy my you quoted you know the the business of dallas is business but I, I think a softer maybe approach on that is you know clearly dallas is a business city is um there's a new wave of businesses starting up that are combining Artisan lifestyle startup, uh, social causes, in, um, in 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 to their missions and and being successful at it in Dallas, and I think that could be. Uh, rather than the business of Dallas. Is business being written in concrete? <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's getting a little bit more organic there to actually say, well, look, it is business and if you want to start up and we're sitting in a co-working space full of social impact entrepreneurs here that are all trying to make a difference, a case in point. But, um, right. you know, maybe the meaning of that will evolve in, in coming years to, to be a positive statement that actually yeah. if you want to do something that is a for-profit business or also has a social mission then this is a good place to try and do it
1: oh absolutely i think i think dallas is really making a name for itself that's why you know you do see all these other different companies coming flocking from other states i mean it's a great place to start a business um if you're a small businesses, honestly i think it's really friendly M- probably more so than some other cities
0: Um, current projects that either your personal projects or or with Holy Kombucha what are you working what are you guys working on and what should people watch out for
1: what projects we're working on yeah uh,
0: with the business or or personal other things that you want to let people know about
1: yeah so currently um, we're outgrown our facility and we're working to move into a much larger facility um, four times the size so Mm -hmm. we're super excited about that because We can make more without running out. We can bring more people in for jobs. Um, We can do tours, probably, finally. (laughs) I know people wanted to do that here, but um, honestly, it probably wouldn't be safe because it's literally just stuff everywhere. Um, But we're also extending out to other states. Don't wanna say yet, you know, I want to keep the audience kind of at their toes, but we're definitely going to other states um, intently, and we're super excited about that uh, because we've been extended this opportunity because we've done enormous here uh, in the state of Texas, and they're really excited to see what we'll do in in the other states that we'll be going out to, so we're super excited. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and what about tips for uh, for entrepreneurs, people thinking about starting a business or doing something different in their life and career? What, what, Any key lessons that you want to share with people?
1: Yeah. So there's never the right moment to start a business. It's all about mindset, honestly, if you're ready to start a business. Because the amount of time you'll put in will be way more than any nine to five job you've ever had so if you're not ready to put in like a hundred hours a week for your own company that will benefit you then you might not want to dabble into it but otherwise you know it's going to be hard hard work at first it was so hard my family asked me the question all the time why aren't you going to go back to school to go to become a doctor your life would be so much easier you wouldn't have to sweat and go to all these farmers markets but you know it it's really paying off because I get to run my own company and um, create the culture that I want and make an impact that I want. And yeah, I work a lot now and in hopes that, you know, we won't have to work that hard later on because, you know, we get to really create this awesome company um, that is not only, you know, making great kombucha, but also making an impact on the community. Something that really, really makes me happy at the end of the day. Yeah so
0: that sounds great if if
1: someone can find that you know a mission that passion that really drives them you're you're gonna you're gonna make it but it does take a lot of grit a lot of grind a lot of passion and the will to push through when there's tons of walls that are gonna basically cave you in that's gonna happen every single day so just gotta be ready to fight them
0: I, and I would question, uh, you know, folks that say, oh, look, I want to start a business to have more flexibility or make loads of money because I think, you know, making loads of money can be... Uh I don't know whether that'll keep you going when things right. are really difficult no. and, yeah. uh, and yeah. whether and when in every possible sense in trying to find partners to work with yeah. and all, all of that sort of thing because you, typically you don't start making money on uh, on day one or even maybe yeah. day 300 or so, yeah. <laughs> but eventually hopefully that, that will come. But if that's your only motivation then.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay, so I think we're almost up to our time. So yeah. any final words that you want for the, the listeners?
1: Um, Well, I appreciate you guys for supporting our kombucha all these years. And if you haven't tried it yet, you got to give Holy Kombucha a try because everyone makes their kombucha a little different. So if you tried kombucha once upon a time ago, try it again. If you're thinking about creating a business that you really wanted to but you're afraid to, hopefully you can overcome that fear and really break out of that and and just go because – it's going to be rewarding. You're going to be tried and you're going to be like, what am I thinking? But if you just push through that, what are you thinking mindset, it's going to happen. So wish, wish the best of luck to all entrepreneurs.
0: Teresa Pham, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, and for listeners, you can find the transcript of today's show on www.totallifecomplete.com.